Good evening, everybody. Good evening. And once again, I want to thank Utu and the Dragon Ritual Drummers for that amazing piece called Wake the Dragon. Mm. Do we want to wake the dragon today? Of course we do. So I want to say welcome to all who tuned in for episode 13. I want to welcome Sue kuklik Bia, who is our guest today. Good evening, my dear. Good evening. And welcome. Good evening. And good evening, Jean-Jerome, and welcome, my co-host. Teresa, thank you for the intro. Sue, welcome aboard. Welcome to the show, episode 13. And it's going to be a very yeah. interesting show. I think it's going to be a very interesting show indeed. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read Sue's intro. Oh, and yes, there's a little... There's your little dog, little Tofu. I'm going to read the intro, sorry. And I think um, the introduction needs to be spoken because it gives a little quick rundown about our guest this evening. She's very fascinating. And I think this show is going to be very interesting. So I will begin by saying welcome to everybody and again to our guest. And tonight's episode 13 is welcoming Sue Kuklik Erisambia, Olorisha, and Yaya Nikisi with your hosts, Jean Jerome and Teresa Slowinski. <laughs> so, Sue was born and raised near Cleveland, Ohio, on land that was Erie and Iroquois nations. Her ancestry is English, Irish, East Prussian, and German and fairly recent ancestors who were of Choconoke Nation Shonoke. and Bantu. Did I mispronounce that? Shoanoke. Shoanoke. All right, corrected. Shoanoke Nation and Bantu. The East Prussians hail from a town called Jezorany in Polish, north of Olsztyn. Sue works as a mental health counselor, a licensed professional clinical counselor in the central neighborhood in Cleveland. Her practice is informed by her spirituality and by her initiations in Orisha and Paolo. She comes from the viewpoint that there is a constant interaction between what we think of as the physical and the spiritual and what we think of as the living and the dead. It's her belief that everyone has chosen their own destiny, even if they are not aware of that destiny. She doesn't believe people choose bad destiny. She thinks people's ori, ori. It's ori. Head, ori, ori, yes, <laughs> or head may or may not be in the best condition for a variety of reasons. Some can be mixed, some can be fixed or remedied, and some conditions you have to work around along with adversity in social conditions, and that's counseling. She was initiated to Oshun since 1996 in Canton, Ohio, and Yaya Nikisi in Paolo for about two years. Her godparents in Osha are Baba Madohochi and Ia Aboyade, who is now Ayanifa and is called Ayanifa. Afia, Afa Lola. Afa Lola. 
Ifalola. Sorry, I am just okay. butchering this. Her Ogbono is Barbara Barrett Osu, Osunako, Osuni Kantomi. Okay, I'll let you pronounce her name then because I'm just yeah. going to butcher this. Oh, Barbara Barrett, her name is Osuna Kantomi Egme Dihun, and she's also Iyanifa. Ashe. Thank you. Ashe. Her, okay, and her name, Osha, is Osun Milia, which means Oshun wife of Orunmila. Okay. Oshun Ma, how did you pronounce that? Milaya. Oshun Milaya. I really should learn how to pronounce words in the Yoruba language. All right. And she has also received her hand of Orula from Baba Wande Ambola. Abimbola. Ambimbola. Awisi ni Agbeye. Her the first ceremony yeah. is the Awisi Agbeye, okay. which means the spokesperson for the Yoruba okay. faith, official spokesperson for the Yoruba faith. All right. You know what? I should have had you read this, John. <laughs> honest to God. That's okay. That's <laughs> Let's okay. this over again. <laughs> anyway, no her first ceremonies were done in Cleveland in the earth. In the early 1990s, where she received her kolori, her warriors, and olokun. And her house of Osha at this time is headed by Manny Orokula. Olo I'm not going to pronounce his name. Orokula. Right. Anyway, the gentleman's name is Manny Orokula Oloyoba of Spring Hill, Florida. He also has a working relationship with her husband's padrino in Palma Soriano, Cuba. She has traveled to Cuba quite a few times, and as a result, her Spanish-speaking abilities are pretty good. So now that I butchered that introduction and thrown everybody off, I welcome everybody once again and <laughs> allow me my mistakes. So I'm going to start with Sue. I'd like to know, because I know you've been in this field for a very long time, your professional field, but also your spiritual path for a long time. Can you take mm -hmm. us from the beginning and what actually had you started on your path? Well, I first encountered the tradition probably back in the mid-1970s in the Miami area where some people had aggravated a Cuban jeweler by not paying for something that was oh, probably nice. fairly expensive. And the person got somebody to do some work. And mm. inside of two weeks, a lot had happened. Um, the person who had rented the house had left and ran away to New York. Everybody else was sitting around looking despondent and they called a spiritualist over to come and help out and figure out what was going on. And she knew what was going on, but she had also been told to try not try to help these people because uh, it wouldn't be come out well for her. And that night after she came over there, she was in a near fatal car accident. Ooh. Yes. And I was like, what is this? So, and, and somebody said, oh, on, continue, <laughs> I'm like, oh, what is that? And uh, yeah, no kidding. So, so fast forward about 10 years, I was having some uh, 
problems on my job with a supervisor who did not want me to have my counseling license. I don't know why mm -hmm. she had this attitude, but that was what her problem was. So I went to a botanic, mm -hmm. which is a store that sells spiritual goods. Not all botanicas okay. are run by people who are initiates. Some people are right. shysters, some are spiritualists, some are businessmen, and some might be initiates. This one was run by a lady who was a, a spiritista. And oh. I went in and I said, look, I need help. I need to talk to somebody. And she says, oh, let me find a tarot reader. I said, you know what I mean. <laughs> and she said, oh, let me find his name. And she acts like she's digging through the notebook. And he's like, and after I went over there, he says, I don't know why she acted like that. I'm over there all mm -hmm. the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this was a, cute, a guy from Kamakwe and uh who was initiated to yemaya the yemaya was the path of yemaya loku okay he was actually i didn't know this but he was actually notorious for after coming up he was relocated uh from florida after mariel uh boat lift and mm -hmm. um catholic charities relocated people and they re relocated several people up here to the Cleveland area where they were utterly lost. And after he got here, he had a mental breakdown. It was walking around on the streets with his otanes, which is the rocks from his Orisha. And Ooh. yeah, yeah, he was just like, he, he pretty much lost his mind, but he got it back wow. together. He got it right. back together. Right. And, uh, I kind of fell out with him after a while because he wanted total control over everything everybody did. Hmm. And so we parted so, ways. So your experience, yeah, sorry for interrupting. So your experience came way back in the seventies. And I mean, I think that was pretty groundbreaking for anyone in North America, really. I mean, for <laughs> you to suddenly you know, meet these people. And what was it about meeting them? Like, what was it? I know you and I, we, well, all three of us had spoken before, but it yeah. was your introduction and your fascination with Ifa that yeah. led you on that path. Now, yeah. so, so when you had this experience, how, at what point did your professional life kick in to assist you with all of this? Well, it was kind of interesting because I was working as a case manager during my Yahoo year, which was like, mm -hmm. it meant that I was in courts and jails while I was in my year because of my job and hospitals, which probably wasn't the best thing, but. Mm -hmm. and, and there was one person, one attorney who actually knew what was going on and approached me and said, oh, I'm Iho de Yemaya and, you know, I know mm -hmm. what's going on. And I was like, oh, that's so great. And oh, wow. uh, Right. But, of course, you know, most Yawos are forbidden to go in places like that because you're too sensitive. Right, right. And, now, yeah. Sorry, you you used a phrase of ayawo. Can you yeah, just well. tell us? 
Sorry. Well, what a yawo is in yeah. the traditional Yoruba household is the youngest wife. She has no okay. place in the hierarchy until she starts having children. Okay. In fact, she's she is actually considered younger than the children of the household until she actually takes her place as a mother. So okay. within the Lukumi tradition, the Yawo year is really a liminal time after the initiation for a year and one week where mm -hmm. you have to follow a lot of restrictions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, so, and so was it through Santeria and Lukumi that you found Ifa or was it immediately that you, it was you know? Before, it, was, it was before that. I was in a study group from the late 70s till the early 1980s. And we uh, were studying all kinds of things. And we had to do a project about a divination system. And right. I got assigned geomancy and I didn't know what geomancy was. I was rather displeased that I had gotten, I had drawn that particular card. <laughs> but I went to the library and found the Ifa Divination Corpus book that was one, Baba Wande's doctoral dissertation and started reading it. And I was like, this is it. This wow. is it. And found it was calling. Like, I found it. Yeah, it was like, wow, this is it. You know, this was like the tradition that I had been looking for all this time. Wow. And, immediately. And, and interestingly enough, it was through Wanda and Bimbola that you discovered he find the Jumancy. And then it was yeah. with Wanda Mimbola, Baba Wanda Mimbola, that you actually initiated, received Isefa, and of, of Ifa. Yes. So yes. very interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'd actually sent a money order off to Nigeria to get that book. And surprisingly enough, they sent it. Oh. I was, yeah. I sat there and waited for it. It took about six weeks, but it got here. Wow. So, yeah. Sue, I, I have this impression your history goes, I mean, obviously, way back to 1970. It's kind of like you came up through the ranks with the movers and the shakers, okay, those that are highly regarded within the community itself. And these are people that you, you, you sort of, you know, if I can use the term, weaned through to get to where you are now. And this I find fascinating, but I think, I think with regards to that, do you have, do you think this had anything to do with your own ethnic background and, and how that came into play? Your, your ethnicity being Scottish, um, Irish, and your native, because the interesting part that I wanted to talk about was your Bantu. Okay. And how that came about. Oh, I don't know. Honestly, it only shows up in the male lineage, so it's obviously like on the Y side of the chromosomes. Okay. But but there are like a couple of women in my on my uh, mom's side of the family who have it, mm -hmm. but I don't. Mm -hmm. You, know, my brothers do. Okay. All right. So, so thinking it came, you know, I'm not sure where it came through. I know I found out who the Native American ancestors were. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. And, but I'm not sure about the Africans. I don't know exactly where they came through. And and a curiosity, what nations on the on the first nations, what nations were they? Mm. they, 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 
Shonoquins and Algonquin. Yeah. Algonquin. They were they were yeah, they were a group that lived in western North Carolina or eastern North Carolina up towards the Virginia border. They have actually been able to buy some of their land back. That, <coughs> that they were um they, it was pretty, you know, as as most people, you know, most of the in, indigenous people here had their land stolen. Um, they were run off their land by you know, the settlers, and uh, they weren't able to sustain mm -hmm. themselves anymore because they were stealing their crops and things like that. And they were forced to sell the land, and uh, they have been able to buy some of it back. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. So with regards to the cultural background that you come from, um, which is obviously very diverse in that, um, you're, you wrote a lot of books as well. I wanted to talk about the books that oh, you have just, written just, and just specifically the, the, oh, was it? Okay, well, yeah, it was just, specifically well, the Obi system. And this is mm -hmm. the book, Jean-Jerome, you've got it. Can you read the title up? Everyday Obi, Divination. Everyday Divination for the Orisha Devotee. Right. And you actually came up with this system, the the Obitata and the Obi-Abata. I didn't come up with it. I actually got it from uh, Fola Pega, who got it from uh, Carlos Colazo, who was a Lukumi Babalao. And that was when? 1885. Roundabouts, okay. 85, 86, okay. somewhere in there. Yeah. And basically what it was is he had this set that uh, Baba Carlos had had in his hand, and he handed, handed it to Fola Pega, and who handed it to me and said, see what you can do with this. Right. Yeah, and basically it's based on the Obiabata, which is the red cola nut, which is mm -hmm. used for everyday divination in West Africa. And, and these so, are, sorry, for yes and no kind of questions, right? No, you well, can get pretty detailed answers. Um, it, with the, with the Obi, which, Dita, which is a coconut, you can get yes and no answers that are fairly detailed, but you can get right. even more detail with these because uh, what's used is a piece of coconut shell with a cowrie attached to it. Right. And the cowrie is like it's used in, same as like uh, Marindilo Goon divination. And when mm -hmm. they're, they cut off the back of it. And right. so you have right. male and female pieces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I saw my okay. godfather was here too. Hi, Manny. Yeah. He was, he was. <laughs> Lumesar uh, asked Sue, can you repeat the name of that book, please? I believe she's referring to that book of Geomancy or the one you ordered that had come back then. Uh, that one was oh. um, the Ephod Divination Corpus, that one. Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah. if that answered Lumay's uh, question or not, but in regards to maybe Sue's book as well, the uh, book... Can you show us the book once again, Jean Jerome? Absolutely. For... This can be ordered yeah. from Lulu. Okay. And that's the book, which we will have um, 
running in our uh, credits at the bottom there, we'll yep. list how to contact Sue, okay? Lovely. So now with this divination, sorry, with the divination system that you use and you've written about, when would you use these? Like I just use them on an everyday basis. Well, if I have like okay. basic questions, if I need something like spiritual work done, like if there's something serious going on, I am going to call John Jerome. I'm not going to leave that. <laughs> I'm going to take it to we fought. Um, or if it's a decision that needs to be made, I'm going to take it to uh, my godfather uh -huh. and okay. have, and have uh, Dilo Goon read so that I can see if I need to make a law which is okay. sacrifice, in order to straighten things out. Would you say you use your practice every day? Is there some, a regular routine that you do um, with regards to using your divination? It's real. It's, it's very simple. You say a few prayers and, and you cast. I use a, a, a seagrass basket that I bought in South Carolina. But mm -hmm. I've... I've also thrown them on like the couch, you know, because they're pretty like they aren't easily offended. <laughs> okay. All right. And, so and now you, good answers out of it. Okay. And so do you actually read for people? Do you have a community that comes to you and says, you know what? I need your help with this. Would was, is that when you would use these shells for that? Or is it strictly yeah. personal use? It's I use it for personal use for the most part. I can read for other people, and I have. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. This is a system that that does not require sacrifice, which is probably one of the only divination systems within the Ifa umbrella and the Orisha umbrella that does not require sacrifice. When you do D, when you throw Dilogun, you are going to make a sacrifice. If you have an Ifa divination, whether it's Opoile or Dafa, doesn't matter. You're going to be doing a sacrifice of some kind. Okay. But with your system, it is not at all, it's right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. is absolutely right. Like we, we, it, is, it is understood that when you mm -hmm. are going to consult Ifa, whether it be with Opele, Ekwele, or Dafa, with Adele, mm -hmm. or Ikin, or if uh, an Olorisha is going to actually consult with the Dilogun of Eshu, of Elegbara, in order to see what's going on, and what, that usually there will be Ebo prescribed. There's right. always something that's going to be uh, prescribed. But with Obi, Obi Abata, that's why many times, even traditionally, we'll use Obi Abata quite often, because when you're asking, especially simple questions, or want to get a an orientation on something, right? The Obiabata system will allow you to do that, but without the implied uh, necessity of offering, you know, sacrifice or making an offering as such. Be right. it, albeit that the Obiabata itself is considered to be an offering, and that's okay. that's really the the issue because when yeah. you when you break open the the actual uh, Obiabata, right. Uh, you are basically breaking off pieces and giving it to the Orisha or right. divinity you're going to speak to, with the exception of Shango, 
Shango doesn't like Obiabad. He likes Orobo. He likes Orobo. He likes Orobo. But Shango does not speak to the Obi because the Obi betrayed him. Obi Abata betrayed him. That's a that's a, a different story. That's, for another, story. that's okay. another story. But but otherwise, the obi abata in most cases can be used. And again, as you're making offering, usually you'll have a little bit of gin or something, also just a poor right. libation. Right. You can mm -hmm. ask simple questions and get you know simple responses. Right. And 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 as Sue says, sometimes fairly elaborate. I mean, it really depends on the experience. And Sue's book mm -hmm. is, has very good references on, on the actual system and, and some of the interpretations, uh, how, you know, far-reaching interpretations can be. Uh, right. And, uh, you know, basically, you know, be able to deal with certain immediate situations without having to do a formal, you know, right, uh, right, full, right. full casting and everything right. else. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the obiobata is actually a colonet, is it not? So what we're yes. talking about when we're splitting mm -hmm. the um, the obiobata, it's actually the colonet, and it's those little things at the bottom that you know you you eat, you taste, and you offer for the Dilogon um, yeah. reading, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because if you go to a Yoruba household, a traditionalist household. One of the first things I'll offer you is cool water and some little pieces of the obiabata. The only one that's used for divination has four lobes. You can find okay. obi all over the place that has like three lobes, two lobes. And it's good to eat. It's, it's a little bit bitter. Yeah. It's bitter, but you get used to it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's an acquired taste. <laughs> it's an acquired taste, but I'll tell you what, it has a lot of caffeine in it. Okay, so it really keeps you awake, that's for sure, it huh? Yeah. All the cab, all the all the African cab drivers use it to stay yeah. awake. Yeah, right. Obi, right. Obi, Obi, as as you say, Obi Abata is given together water because it is said, "He who receives Obi, he who gives Obi, gives life," because Obi Abata is a symbol of life, Oboato, long life. And help. Okay. Right. So. All right. So it's four lobe that is used for the divination, and the yeah. three that is not. Okay. Uh, yeah. We have a question from Michelle. This all. And and it says, "Will the system still prescribe remedies, so to speak?" No. No. Not really. No. It just tells you what's going on and see if you've got to do something else. Okay, and so then that's outside of your routine. Okay, and then if there were remedies required, or would you would you form it in that kind of question that if there were remedies required, it would give you the yes or no question to that, and at that point, that's when you would probably go to a babalao or to your own um, godfather, right, and yes. ask for clarification on that, right? Right. Right, okay. if it looks like something serious, sure. Okay. Um, one example is when I was first learning to read, uh, somebody who I was working with at that time says, oh, I want you to ask, you, you know, just throw the yoke because I told him, you don't even have to ask a question of me to, and right. I'll see what's going on. And so it came with the only one open was on the bottom with a male point, pointing down, which okay. was, I said, oh, this is pretty bad. There's somebody very ill here and probably very near death. 
And he says, yeah, it was somebody that he knew whose son had attempted suicide and was in a coma. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, I was like, oh. So, and, and that is definitely you connecting not only to the Obiabata, but to your own spirits, okay? Um, yeah. So I want to take, take you to the connection that you have with Cuba, okay? And okay. with regards to that, can you tell us your connection to Cuba? I think you had mentioned Santiago de Cuba and at what point in time, mm -hmm. like in, in regards to what year? that you oh. had gone there and how you met your husband. Cause I find that yeah. this is a fascinating story. Yeah. Well, I didn't even tell you the whole story about how the, um, Espiritista came up to me and started talking to me in Spanish, Please. which I didn't understand very well at the time. And Take us back there then. Definitely. Yeah, this was, yeah. Because it was the second time I was in Cuba. The first time I went to Cuba, my Ayubona and I actually presented a paper about, the mind-body connection and the Orisha tradition and healing. And uh, then I went, we had such a good time, I decided to go back a couple of years later. Mm -hmm. And we, and so people were going to go and then they didn't go, which was similar to a trip to New York I had made a few years earlier where everybody was going to go to New York with us and it right. wound up being in my roommate. So I wound up going by myself and I was going to present, I presented another paper uh -huh. and I saw uh, there was a couple of guys in the audience and one of them sent his friend over to talk to me who spoke a little bit of English. Alfonso did, was a espiritista as well, but okay. um, there was an espiritista that approached me and says, you have a husband here in Cuba. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Hold on just a second, please. Okay. Oops. Dog dog intervention. I totally understand that. I'm lucky mine are satiated and laying about here and not making any sounds. My cats are locked away, so no disturbance. But yet again, who knows, right? There's That's one cat on the loose, and it'll show up yeah. sooner or later, I'm sure. Anyway, yeah, sorry. So, yes, please do continue. Yes, I know. I know there's there's more con continuance from you and your, um, your, you know, with this lady that uh, you're talking about. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, she's, yeah, so we all went down. We had all gone to Cuba, and then I came, went back on my own and did a presentation. And um, there was a couple guys in the audience. And he said, the one sent his friend over to talk to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, because his, his friend was interested in me. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> not, it always starts that relationship. Way. No, I'm not interested. And uh, the other thing is that they tried to set me up with some young kid. They sent him over my way to be a translator. Rafi lives in Texas now <laughs> and has a daughter. And I was like, I guess they're trying to test me to see what I'll do. But uh -huh. no, no, <laughs> I was not interested. It's a little 23-year-old. So <laughs> anyway, we, so my husband and I got together at that time and uh, started emailing one another. <laughs> Which wasn't what easy. Year was 
What year was that? That was because oh, I think gracious. we were talking about that. 1994, did you say? No, it was most like 2004, I think it was. Okay. But your, when you first went to Cuba, this was in 1994, and this no, had to no, do. It was, I figured out no? it was probably 2002. Yeah, probably 2002. Okay. All right. Then why did I have. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Maybe here. it was earlier than that because I'm trying to remember if I had Ocha made one the first time I went. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. So it was after 96. So okay. So when did you make house. Osha? 96, and that's And that was that in was Cuba, in Canton, right? Ohio. It was in Canton, no. Ohio. It was in Canton. Okay. So Which then like when little this is small city south of Cleveland about, Oh gosh, maybe that's the size of Aurelia. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. So you know Aurelia, <laughs> you know the population of Aurelia. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but more urban. All right. Yeah. Okay, so that's where you made Osha. But in Cuba, when you had gone there, and this was on a professional basis with regards to yeah. your uh, your profession, right? With the yeah. presentation of the mind, body, and uh, it was a nine day festival i think that this yeah, is where something called the festival del caribe or festa del fuego which um is a run-up to the carnival that's at the end of the month and okay. so they have all this was like back in those days they had some really interesting people like julia mateo tornes of casa del and caribe and very interesting man very interesting. His mom's name was America, and, and she was from Havana. And Julian attended the school of uh, the American school, so his English was impeccable. He also uh -huh. studied Czechoslovakia and spoke uh, a couple of Eastern European languages and German and Portuguese. Okay. And, and he was always running afoul of the authorities. Okay. Because there, were, there was Joel, Joel James Figueroa, and he was in charge of everything. He was a good revolutionary. Julian was okay. not. Julian <laughs> was not a good revolutionary. So they kind of hid him in the back somewhere in, in the second house over on 8th Street, which has fallen into ruin. Used to have some of those beautiful displays you'd ever seen. They had one room that was nothing but like Palo, Another one that was Arisha, another one for a Spiritismo Cruzal. And, wow. uh, and you know, it was really nice. And they would have presentations in these different places all through the festival. They'd have them in that house, the main house, some auditorium that was kind of in the central city, and then all sorts of locations all over town. And they would pick a country every year, and that would be who they were honoring. Like one year it was Trinidad and they okay. had a pan, they had a pan, a pan group come and the Cubans loved them. They wouldn't let them off the stage <laughs> and, and they would have ceremonies. And the thing is, is they weren't supposed to be real ceremony. They were just supposed to be folkloric. Okay. Have, have a none of that. Julian says, no, have ceremonies, have real ceremonies. And they did. They wow. were clean people. 
they planted an Oroco tree one year. It was the year, the first year that I was there, they planted a Oroco tree that is still there. It's this big around now. It was a oh, little wow. tiny, tiny, tiny. And we all, like, they did a cleaning ceremony. Everybody cleaned themselves. Right, right. And, and buried it by the Oroco tree. Wow. Iroko, Iroko, for those that are tuning in, Iroko is a very yes. is a extremely They're sacred tree. Sacred the tree yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. It is the it is the the tree uh, through which uh, both spirit Egu and Orisha are, and even Iami are determined to come down up and down through. So yeah, when, right. when you're making a call and all that, it's usually the, through the Oroko tree. Right, that they come down or that they return to to Odum. So it's yeah. a very sacred isn't it, tree. Isn't it interesting that the again there's a tree analogy when you look at uh, other indigenous groups? You know, <clears throat> like mm -hmm. for example the yeah. the Norse tradition, right? And again, it's it's the sacredness of the tree because when you think about the tree, the roots in the ground and its branches into the heavens, right? So it's like, you know, above, yeah. below, and that connection. So now yeah. you had touched upon some of the, um, you said there were different houses during these festivals. Some of them were Espiritu, some of them yeah. were Palero, okay? So can yeah. you give us a little bit of an example of exact the Espiritismo um, houses and what that is? First of all, tell us what it is and um, what, what you had seen there. Well, there's spiritualism, and there's more than one type of espiritismo in Cuba. Mm -hmm. There's one called cordon, which cordon. is yeah, cordon, and there and then there's another one like uh, mesa blanca, which is the scientific spiritism of the that was typical of the upper classes all through the Caribbean and South America, especially starting in the 1880s. And then there's espiritismo cruzado. Which okay. is, which is a very interesting tradition, which draws a lot from Palo because you see a lot of it in Oriente in Cuba, which is Eastern Cuba. You'll see it all through Guantanamo, but it just looks a little different in Guantanamo than it does in Santiago. Um, mm -hmm. Different people do different things. Altars mm -hmm. look different in different houses, but mm -hmm. underlying it is the very Africanness of it which um, Mesa Blanca just doesn't have. Mesa Blanca, you have a lot of prayers to Jesus, a lot of prayers to angels that are the Christian tradition. Mm -hmm. And as spiritual Cruzal, you know, not so much. You don't, you'll see okay. the Christians represented, but you're going to also have the Comisiones represented. Like they, and those are national groups. They, you have the uh, Congo Commission, you have the Chinese Commission, you have the doctors, you have the marineros, the fishermen, you have various, you know, different commissions. And so then when you say commissions, what does that mean? Sorry, Sue. Skill sets. <laughs> Basically, it's oh. different skill sets, different nations, like the Chinese Commission you, and... Uh, Comisión de China, Comisión de Gitana, o sea, if you're Egyptian, it's just a, a, an ethnic, ethnic slash, as as uh, uh, Sue is saying, functional grouping. 
So the marinero means all the sailor, all those spirits that were, you know, sailor, uh, sailors or, or basically worked at, uh, in the sea. Um, you know, the so you would have one very important for all Cuban, Commission Divina de los Medicos, los medicos, the doctors, the commission of yeah. doctors, right? Los médicos de espirituales, los médicos celestiales. In other words, that was a uh, spiritist would, would call on that commission or that grouping, that, that profession, group. when trying to do healing, right? They would, would call right. upon those doctors, right? So right. ancestors that have passed that were uh, that practiced some form of healing or medical profession, right? Yeah. So basically, people went to the went to the festival and they could choose a um, espiritismo house that specialized in, let's say, health, like the doctors, the commission of uh, doctors, if they needed a healing. Is that what I'm led to believe that that's what that was about? Well, basically, what would happen is they would have workshops with different, um, very you know, various different traditions, including the people who practice Vudun up in the mountains. Mm -hmm. They would come down out of the mountains for this particular event. They brought people over. One year they had uh, somebody who did Kumino who was from Jamaica. Mm -hmm. uh, they had okay. people who, who did Palo, and you would go down to their house down in uh, a particular neighborhood that was known for that, that had been the Congo neighborhood for generations. And you okay. would go down there and they would have an actual ceremony. Wow. And, and that yeah. was open to everyone who would come. It was open to everybody who was there for the festival. You do not see that these days. Julian is gone. Joel James has passed on as well. Uh, the people who are running Casa del Caribe are not the same folks. And it's just not the same. Okay, so you go, back, like, yeah. you go and, back, yeah, go back quite often, and and, and, mm -hmm. it, and it's interesting because the, where, where Sue is in Oriente, it's it is as she's she's mentioned, it is a place where there's there's a lot of palo, right? Palo it, right. being yeah. a, a little bit of a blend of inkisi of uh, bantu inkisi, uh, with also a little bit depending on the house of palo, they may blend in some vodou elements. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, or yeah, more pure voodoo elements, right? Like in, um, and a lot, and yeah. a lot of it, those people came. Some came from the home, but others came from actually from Haiti. Yeah, they came oh. in the Haiti, Haiti from Haiti after the revolution. Exactly, and they have maintained their language and their traditions since that time. Yeah, and uh, which is like you see a lot of French last names in Santiago de Cuba. That's right. Wow. A lot, okay. you know, and but as far as people practicing the Vudun tradition, there are people who still do. They live way up in the mountains, close to mm -hmm. Pico, yeah. Pico Turquino, somewhere. Yeah. I don't know where it is, um, but they yeah, still it, speak. They still speak Creole. That's right. That's oh. right. And and that led wow. to a very interesting, interesting. blend, right? They the. I, just to repeat again, because it was it was yeah. mentioned, but just for people tuning in, again the espiritismo de mesa, okay, basically was was more the Cardesian, following the teachings of Alain Kardec, right. the the right. the recipe of of prayers Thank and all you. that have a, a Judeo Christian 
pension or, 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 you know, preference, uh, because they'll talk about, you know, the cry, they'll talk about the art the angels, the archangel, and had a more of a, a Judeo Christian, um, the cordonero, cordonero, peritimo cordonero means that when they're doing certain ceremonies, they basically form, uh, a, a, a joining of hands to form wow. a circle in order to, to do readings, to do cleansings, to uh -huh. help people and everything else. So that's why cordon. Cordon meaning like a, 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 like a, a string or a rope. You know, they're, 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 they're linked together. Uh, yeah. and that had a little bit of elements from different, you know, that's when uh, different cultures that were a little mixed in that. Yeah. Um, and the cruzado, again, a lot of African elements also mixed in. Yeah, okay. and I have actually heard them sing Vodun songs because the Vodun people came and they did a, like a musical presentation, and I heard them singing a particular song, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Wait a minute, I've heard this song before." As and basically, it was during an Espiritismo ceremony, and that's what they were, and that's what they were. Singing is this mm -hmm. this Haitian you know this Haitian Vodun song? Mm -hmm. I was like, I have it on tape somewhere because I was like, hey, you know, this is interesting. Yeah, that, it caught you know, your you ear in 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 Cruzal that this is going on. And by the yeah, way, Iroko is actually a Orisha unto itself as well. Yep, that is correct. Yeah, that is correct. Right. So I so, wanted to read with regards to what uh, Michelle um, has uh, to say here. The similarities between the Iami and the Desir, which are the female ancestors and goddesses in Norse mythology, is astounding as well. Just wanted to note that because of the similarities between the Uroko and the sacred trees of the Nordic peoples. Thank you so much, Michelle. That Exactly, that, that wonderful link that you so, so succinctly had put together. Thank you for that. Now, Sue, I wanted to ask you, um, so going to Cuba, seeing the Espiritismo and uh, the various different houses that uh, you had already mentioned, the Cruzado, the uh, Misa Blanca, um, had you yourself partaken of any of them or have you, you know, just stuck to one style if you did before we get into the polero and your your well, involvement with that yeah well that's gonna it's what's interesting is that my husband's godfather in orisha and paulo here mm -hmm. say hi to everybody wants to get in on the action yeah he wants the attention <laughs> yes and um uh, <laughs> His his godfather is a Palero first. He okay. is really a truly a, a man from Oriente. His name is Tito. He's probably seventy years old and can pass spirits for hours at a time without getting tired, just like wow. one after the other. And he's an Espiritista and an Olorisha as well. So you see how. It, it mm -hmm. works in different houses because it's sort of an individualistic thing. Different people right. do things different ways, but to see how right. his house is set up and how 
the traditions practiced in that area is very interesting because for them mm -hmm. getting uh, Rialo and Palo, which is being cut in Palo, which is like the first initiation. ceremonial initiation one would have, mm -hmm. doesn't make mm -hmm. you a Palero. It just makes you protected by that person's right. in Keese. Um, it's like baptism down there. People bring their kids mm -hmm. to Tito. Wow. And you know, like lots of them. Like he says, oh, he has probably 2,000 godchildren, maybe 2,500. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And fascinating. Yeah. And, I, you know, they, and I don't know how many people, like any, how many people, like actual, like Yaya and Kisis and Tatas he has under his wing. But I'm sure there's a pretty good number because. Anytime he does something, a pretty good number of people come over to his house. He does have, right. he has godchildren outside the country as well. Um, I think he has okay. some. And these family. are godchildren that come to Cuba. Yeah, they're not, they're, who are probably not Cuban. They're probably Italian, German, uh, probably from the U.S. Mm -hmm. Possibly, you know, probably mm -hmm. some Cuban mm -hmm. people who live abroad as well. But, mm -hmm. Okay. You know, like I said, first and foremost, he's a Paulero. That, okay. that is really what his grounding is. And that's a lot of people in Oriente are like that. Or they're a Spiritista first and something else second. And you've only really seen an exponential growth in mm -hmm. Orisha worship in that area since probably the mid-1990s. Uh, oh, because prior to that, there were a few. There weren't that many. I could, I could count on my on on my hands how many if I initiates were there were in Santiago de Cuba, and I have a picture of them, like the youngest huh. to the oldest. I have a picture somewhere of all the all the Awo all the Awo Ifa. There weren't that many. Now yeah, they're all over the place. The, the 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 problem is uh, as well. And, so, so uh, is that when when and we mentioned this in an earlier show as well, when the uh, the the communists uh, the Castros took power, uh, there was a period of time where all the belief systems were pretty much outlawed, where everything right. went basically yes. had to go underground, uh, yeah. because you if you were practicing any belief system, you were considered to be counter revolutionary. So, yes. so everybody has to understand that. Anybody who tells you otherwise, mm -hmm. lie. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll lying. tell you, my husband so, was in the military. Yeah. yeah, My husband was in the military. I asked him about that, and he was very yeah. frank with me about that. Yeah. I asked him, would you have been able to do this, you know, be initiated to Shangol, for instance, mm -hmm. while you were in the military? And he laughed out loud. He says, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not. Um, that because it's it's considered you know there's still a, a fair amount of racism in Cuba. That's but, but, it was, but it wasn't because of racism. It wasn't an issue of racism. The the anti-hegemonic nature of it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Because it, it, can you uh, repeat that? Sorry, I didn't catch that. I said and it's the anti hegemonic nature of the Ifa tradition and the Lukumi tradition because and the Palo, and the Palo as well. El Palo especially Palo is one of the most revolutionary traditions there could uh -huh. possibly be I mean 
That's right. The under, you know, yeah. I mean, even in the United States, you see it. Mm -hmm. The Stoner right. Rebellion. Who were they? Right. right, exactly. So now that brings me to ask you, Sue, how did you become involved in that? I mean, you, you received your, your Olorisha, uh, your Osha, you received your hand of Ifa, and then you obviously had gone to the path of Paolo, right? Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that and how that started for you. Um, then more, so, more so because of the involvement with my husband's godfather. And, okay. you know, yeah. Now I do, my Tata is actually here in Cleveland and you had mentioned, uh, we had mentioned uh, Yasmina. Yes. And this is what I wanted to bring into play just to mention Yasmina Radosovic, who also and is a. And her husband, Steve. Right. Yeah. And her husband. And daughter. Right. And they and your connection to their house. Can you just give us a little yeah. bit of background of that? Yeah. Well, basically, we are. Our Tata is the same person. Right. You know. Okay. Yeah. So she would have been. She's my elder god sister. OK. And and unfortunately, you know, she passed away and that was um, that was quite a tragedy. But. So yeah. being a, a Yaganga Nikisi, what does uh, that entail it, it, without, you know, disinvolging any sort of secrets or anything like that? Yeah. What does that? Uh, it's, a level of, it's a level of initiation. Okay. It's a level of yeah. initiation. So uh, tell us just briefly what it is. Uh, it means that you have a, a like a, Oh, God, like a prenda for the uh, Nkisi in your home or somewhere. Okay. That's a particular level of initiation. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Jean-Jerome, did you want to say something? You looked like you wanted to jump in and, and make no, a comment no, there. No, just to clarify again. Uh, so, for, for those people, again, tuning in, um, to define terms a little bit. So, yeah. the... the, the the prenda, what they call a prenda, okay, mm -hmm. re represents uh, a receptacle. Usually, it's done. It can be different, different sort of uh, vessels. Uh, some can be in in cauldrons. Some can be in in things of clay. Depends on the divinity or the the energy that is that is being, you know, basically harnessed, if you will, or work with. And kisi represents a spirit, right? There's usually a titular spirit. Which is basically resident in that particular prenda, and that yeah. spirit is married with an energy called an, an impungo, which an impungo is represents uh, primal forces, very similar to Orisha in terms of to the point that many of the impungo or many of the of the uh, Congo divinities, if you will, have been matched up, if you will, with the Orisha in terms of equivalence. Right, they're not the same, but no. they're equivalent. Right, right, right. because anyway, they're 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 they're, they're venerated differently in many ways. Yeah. Okay. So, so but it, it's considered to be a very. Um, I mean, you're you're working with all of the elements, all of the elements of nature, mineral, uh, vegetal, vegetable, uh, yeah, uh, you know, spiritual like animal 
right? You know, mm -hmm. different animal yeah. uh, parts mm -hmm. and so forth, right? Metals, right. etc. So that's just to give a, an overview, right? And mm -hmm. again, a, a misconception that Palo, you know, many people associate Palo with dark witchcraft. Palo, you work with spirit, which again is in your prenda or many prenda, because you typically, have, uh, if you're a yaya, you have, you have more than one. Uh, yeah. Or, or, or palero uh, or tata, tata, what they call tata, has more than one. And they're yeah. working with energies, much the same way that all Orisha will have, you know, maybe one, one Orisha, which is their primary. And then right. they had they work with other Orisha powers and so forth. But what I wanted to underscore is that both should be treated with the same respect. Right. And both, you know, bring forth many spiritual truths and both can be, you know, uh, including especially about can be used for healing, can be used for good and, and not right. not just the dark, you know, sort of dark uh, right. witchcraft yes. and all that. It's not Santeria's evil cousin. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what everybody always turns it as, right? Yeah, that's right. But it's 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 more than that because sometimes you know you have to you know you have to deal with the darker aspects, right? Um, in order to 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 achieve certain healings, right? Yeah. So then this is when you got once you were initiated, you got your title as a as a yaya, right? Yeah. So that uh -huh. means you you are able to work with those spirits. Now, is that, yeah. that term, Yaya, is that uh, a feminine aspect uh, as opposed to a yeah. male aspect? And what are the differences there? Well, the male is a Tata. And, and the thing is, is about the Palo tradition, it is pretty masculine centric. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. And now, there are, things, there are things that women don't do. Right, or and here you are. Shouldn't do. Should not. Sometimes be they do it. Sometimes they do yeah. it. But they really yeah, shouldn't. They, they really right. shouldn't. Yeah. Well, it's like giving yeah. warriors. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, there's a thing about women giving warriors. Right. You know. Oh yeah, I do it. We do it. They do it. We, you know, it's like, how how is this like new to me? <laughs> I haven't heard of this before. <laughs> and I so here we before. are. You know, here, and here, here, here I am being like old school all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, when did I get to be old school? <laughs> and here's Sue, all of a sudden, boom, she becomes a yaya, right? I mean, yeah. there's not too many, um, I would, I don't know, maybe I'm in, I'm incorrect in believing this, that there aren't too many poleros. And then, you know, given that fact that there's even less women, okay, as yayas. A lot of people who don't talk about it. Okay. There's so, an awful lot of Olorishas that have been scratched in Palo or have Prendas. They have in Kisi in their house, so they don't talk about it. Because oh, most okay. people do Thank not you. talk about it. It's, yeah. it's they'll keep up they'll keep them in the basement. They'll keep them in the basement and out of sight. Yes. Okay. All right. Or in, all the way in the back of the house, like yep. like Tito or the shed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, he got a shed in the back. Yeah, with because they're very powerful energy. They're very primal energy. Yes. Right. You know, it's not as, from an, a vibrational aspect, it's, yes. it's a far stronger, you know, vibration okay. in, in terms of, you know, and not everybody's compatible with it. Some people will have, a, like, it's right. too much energy, right? Right. Oh. right. 
So you have to have a certain type of personality and a certain, um, you know, aptitude for it. Uh, strong in character, strong mind, strong body, obviously. And Sue, you are that, right? So, you know, you're that embodiment. Very quiet, very subtle. And here's Sue, a powerhouse, you know? And, and I really admire that. I have to say, Sue, I really do. I think that this is just, it, it's fascinating that, you know, we have women that are able to do this because not everyone um, does or goes that path, right? Yeah. And like so, I said, not everybody even talks about it. They don't, right. you know, Faleros are notoriously secretive. Right, right. So did we let you out of the bag, so to speak, by saying this about no, you? No. It's not something I usually talk about, but uh, John Jerome said that, you know, you can't, like, just ignore them. They're no. like, not there because they're going to get mad at you. You don't think it because they, it's, they're, you know, it's a spirit, yeah. right? You're living, these yeah. are, these are living, living, beings. living vital That's spirits, right. right? They have a consciousness. Yeah. These are not like, right. you know, just artifacts or, or decorations and all that. They, they, they you have a, a symbiotic right. relationship with them. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, yeah that's you, true. So you work with these energies and they are given to you. So in other words, they are also ancestors that you work with and not everybody can do this. This is, this isn't something you conjure up or, you know, suddenly ask as a servitor, servitor to quote oh. some of my chaos oh. magicians no. out there. This no. is something that is act actually be and given to you, right? No, and because these are are are. Ancestors. No, Sorry, and, go and, ahead, and, and, and and there's a lot of ritual behind it. There's a lot of ritual behind it. There's a long Absolutely. process behind it, and everything else. Absolutely. Uh, there, there's a, a couple of messages from Claire Constantly Baron says, "Were were they more afraid of the power women can have, and then women are very spiritual." Thank I'll you. Let, I'll let there. you answer that, and then yes, I'll, give, I'll, I'll I'll give my my to explain to Claire and for people for especially women who are listening, once yes. and for all, that this has nothing to do about um, uh, which of machismo or or men being afraid of women's power. That's all BS. There are rules yeah. and there are reasons, spiritual reasons, for the health of a woman. Why yeah, they cannot do certain things, right? There's a division of labor here. There's a division of labor. Exactly, exactly. So Sue, you know, could you, Sue, could Sue, you, Sue, if you want to give your, your what you were taught, and and why that? What are the different roles within? Let's say focusing on Palo. What are the different why, why and and the reasons you were given of why women can do certain things, why they shouldn't do others, and and that division. Oh. Well, the thing, you know, you know, I think it's more or less the same as it is in the Orisha tradition that women's powers are just different than men's. We give birth. Ashe. Yes. You know, and that's, and that's our ashe. ashe. That's part of our ashe. And we are connected to those ancestral powers. Ashe. Right. So why are we, you know, why step off from that and jump into something else that's not ours? 
Now, yeah, right. we we do have to work on the respect piece because, yeah, women get disrespected as far as what our powers are. Absolutely. And however, you know, however, there are secret societies for women, too. I see. Within within Palero itself, is that what I'm uh, within Palero? Probably so. That I don't know about. That I don't okay. really know about. Okay. I'm sure there is, though, because, I mean, I don't know how it's practiced in the in where it comes from. Okay. All right. So that given that women and the ability and the spirituality that is associated with giving birth, that yep. is obviously just privy to women. And how does that differ from the men? And now can Jean Jerome, can you kind of give us that background? Yeah, yeah. But very basically, as Sue has said very aptly, the, the thing is, and that's not just in Palo, it's also in Vodun and Benin. Women are not, or should not kill, should not take right. a life, especially right. if they still have menga. Menga, which is, means blood. If they, if they yeah. have their period, they're not because they, when, when they have the gift of giving life, they should not take life. That's, that's right. the main reason. Okay? Right. So the men are, are tasked with the killing, right? The taking of life or uh -huh. you know, in order to bring forth manifest energy. The women are the givers of life. The, the ones right. who, who, who channel, it's it just different direction. In other words, we're sending yes. things to the spirit world. The, the women are bringing things from this, forth from the spirit world. That's why many yeah. women are, have much better gift of sight, much better gift of, of being able to interpret or to see because they're being more informed from the other, other side. N natural. Right. Right? Now, there are that's, men, of course, yeah, that are quite natural. gifted, but, but that's the main reason. Any anybody who knows the real craft will tell you. Forget this, the, the you know the BS about no gender. No, no. There's a spiritual reason for it, and it right. and it has to be respected because if a woman defies it, what ends up happening is that the woman's you know, in many cases, if it's a young woman, she will lose her ability to procreate. The very energy that she's manipulating will cause her to to basically lose her womb. And lose her ability to have period, and eventually not be able to procreate anymore. Yeah, right, right. The exceptions right. to women being able to kill or doing certain ceremonies is when they're older, when they when they've passed their point of of having the period, when they basically now can, in some cases, you know, do more in terms of certain ceremonies. Pardon me. <laughs> Oh, it's sorry. Well, it's the animals. <laughs> we're, well, we're talking about spiritual things, right? So yes, exactly. There's a question yeah. uh, uh, from Essie Mike uh, Sue. If you want to tackle that one, as a uh, kid in Cuba, there were many paleros who would seek the advice in certain situations to go see a babalao, and vice versa. Is that still common practice today, as far as you know? In, especially in Santiago? Well, not so much in Santiago, I think, because there are not that many Babalaos in Santiago. But I'm sure mm -hmm. in Havana they do. Yeah. Yeah, no, at, at the yeah. time of my mom, and, and, and I know many Paleros and, and uh, Olorisha and Babalao, uh, sometimes they fought 
within especially the Afro-Cuban corpus will will alert uh, Babalao or there'll be certain situations where the skill set and the and the particular spirituality of a palero is called for. So they may seek out a palero or a friend to seek their advice, especially when they're looking for a message, much the same way I work with, for instance, Teresa. Uh, yeah. or, or, or a man, where, whereby Fa, I consult with Ifa, Ifa has a message, but there are certain types of messages, certain types of communication that Ifa is not designed for, right, structurally. In which case, you need somebody who has the gift of sight and can speak yeah. directly at a, at a, at a level of, of mediumship to basically transmit me the message of the spirit, or could be that there's a spirit that needs to communicate outside of the parameters of Ifa, where Ifa sends the person, vice versa, a palero. In many cases, because we're talking about spirit, they, right. they would use, in, old, in the old days, they would say, eh, en muerto dice que tiene que ir a la tierra de ocha, or you have to go to the land of Ifa, because there's an answer, a wisdom, a knowledge that you need to get from there. You know, and, you, yeah. and many times it was based on spiritual health, physical health, or other aspects as well. Right? Uh-huh. Sorry. Down. <laughs> Sorry. It's just Zola acting up. <laughs> okay. So, yes. So, exactly what you said, John Jerome. So, now... With regards to Polero, are women utilized that same way, Sue, with regards to their gift of sight and, and that type of thing when, when we're, we're dealing with the, you know, aspect of being a Yanganga? Probably so. I would, I would think so. Okay. All right. Yeah, because, you know, because the thing is, is like I said, you know, you, you veer over to Espiritismo Cruzado territory and People practice all these things. They're all they're all in the toolbox. Right, right. And Everybody here's that famous that. the famous word, yeah. the toolbox, right? right? So Sue, it seems like you've got quite a bit going on in your toolbox for sure. You've got quite a big one, um, and a very powerful Ooh. one, I must say. So um, Jean Jerome, did you want to give us any more uh, detail or I want you to take over and ask some questions. I've got to go deal with some with my dogs here. There, Sorry. There's some, some pet pet challenges there. Pet yeah. challenges. <laughs> so excuse yeah. me, you're probably gonna see the ceiling for a moment. I've got to yeah. go deal with my dog. Excuse no me. No problem, no problem, no problem. So uh Sue, Sue uh, in like in the last what would you say were are the main changes, major, especially for people watching? Because some of the questions from the audience have been um, basically linked. Uh, to um, you know, comparisons of you know before years ago, like in Cuba, they used to do something, or versus the now. In your in your your you know privileged long trajectory within these Afro descendant belief systems, whether it be yeah. NKC, whether it be Orisha, or Regla de Ocha, whether it be Fa, what would you say have been the major changes from a societal social standpoint in terms of the practice the um, adoption of of these uh, of these belief systems and then my 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 uh, follow-up question is in your practice then in terms of of uh, of, of psychotherapy or of, of dealing or counseling 
how have have these belief systems informed you or supported you in the practice of your profession uh, okay. in, in the states? Yeah. Now the changes that I've seen over the years is that uh, Lukumi used to be very much within the Spanish-speaking community. Until like, you know, we had a couple of Olorishas here in town that were initiated in the late 70s in New York. And if you didn't speak Spanish, you were at a serious disadvantage. You would not understand what was going on because most everybody spoke Spanish. They were mm -hmm. probably Cuban and Puerto Rican descendants. Um that some of and then uh, one thing that opened things up is the Mario Boatlift brought a lot of new Olorishas into the community, and you saw things change a little. You know, change from this insular sort of uh, community to opening it up a little bit. The other thing is, is that a lot of people born in the United States, especially black Americans, started practicing the tradition. Then, you know, at one point in the mid eighties, um, we started having Nigerian citizens who were initiates come into, um, coming on the scene. And mm -hmm. there were already people who had been initiated in Nigeria However, you didn't see the explosion that that brought um, when there were a few, a couple of people who did, who figured out that people were interested in this and more, way more so than people back home in Nigeria. And uh, you started getting a lot of initiations that were done is like what they call a shea shape, but the thing is, is some of them weren't done right. Some of them were done by one individual and uh, without other priests present, which within the Lukumi would be unforgivable. Why would you do that? You know, <laughs> there would be absolutely no reason to do that. And um, so the other thing is, so you see a lot of back and forth now. You see the growth of a lot of women who are, Iani Fa now, where mm -hmm. that was not existent in the past. Right. There have been like extreme amounts of controversy about that. Right. There used to be like fighting internet wars about that particular topic. Back when people got real ugly. Excuse me. You're going, you're going. Real ugly about it back then. Right. And they still kind of do. I mean, you know, and then so, you know, then there's this war between, oh, this the, the version from Nigeria is more pure. Not exactly. It went through changes, too. It's not static. None of these traditions are static. Now, as far as the language goes. That's a big goes, point, yeah. That's right. Uh, Baba Wanda has his training in linguistics, and he says... Probably the purest form of, of archaic Yoruba is located in Brazil. Like when you look at their songs, a modern day Yoruba person can understand them for the most part, but they say, because I tried it. I had to try it with my little co-workers. 
fellow co-workers who were in their 20s and born in Yoruba land and grew up Christian and Muslim. And I said, here, listen to this and tell me if you can tell me what it says. And they listened to it and they said, that's my language, but it's, it's so old. That's right. And, yeah. And there was one song that starts out, you know, that starts out, he said, oh, that's what the song you sing to the king when he wakes up in the morning. So, you know, so then you start to see like more of the authentic kind of language and mm -hmm. more accurate translations of things now. That's one thing you see. And that, and then the other thing you see is people who want to so much want to be a part of this tradition. Mm -hmm. They had a dream. They built an altar. Um, yes. They think that they should be able to do what they want to do with this tradition. Right. Right. Without any kind of connection, without any initiations. And that is Absolutely. just not how this works. You know, because that's a very important three, point. That's a very important point. Yes. Yeah. There are three. Um, there's a, a priest named Aloye who lives here in Ohio, who is one of the people. He, he has a very interesting story. He is quite the genealogist. He found a mm -hmm. relative of his in Mississippi with the name of Adeyemon with the N on the end. He took that and found his relatives in Nigeria and found the town they were from. He was going to move there. He packed up his family, his wife and his kids, and they went over to this town. He was going to, like I said, they were ready to stay. Wow. And they got to the town. There was some kind of parade in progress. And they said, oh, here you are. Put them up at the front of the parade. They have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and they put them in the front of the parade. And they said, well, after the parade was done and they sat down and, like, got to meet each other, they said, um, we did a reading. You know, we did the divination before the festival. And it said, somebody's coming to the festival. They are family. They look like they're strangers, like they're from another country, but they are not. They are family. Treat them as such. True story. Wow. True story. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And then what they told him then is that your job is not here. Your, your spiritual task is not here. You have to go home mm -hmm. and do your thing and wait for us to call you back and so that for you to return here. Oh my God. So, yeah. so what ended up happening? He, he packed he, up he, all he, his he, bags and his family and came back to the United States. Yeah. Talk about a leap of faith. My goodness. Yeah. Holy smokes. So, um, 
Sorry, I, I had to go deal with my dogs and had to tune in and two out. Um, Jean-Jerome, what was the recap on 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 that? Yeah, no, no, just talking about no no, just talking again about uh, you know how things have changed. One of the comments uh, you know that was that should be made as well is um, you know that more people are wanting to get into the tradition sometimes without right. initiation. You know, they have you know they, they don't seek any confirmation or affirmation they just they want to leap in start doing things like it's um, a fad like it's a it's dangerous it's a you know this is Orisha and follow these these are not you know to be trifled with they're not to be they're not nope. fads you know you have to you have to go for divination you have to be humble enough the first step of humility to go for divination to actually see what the spirits or what the divinities have in the store for you not assume that your dream, exactly. your 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 way of doing it, Absolutely. as, as uh, Sue was saying, is right. You understand? Like you have to be humble right. enough to say, "Okay, right. I, I need to learn. I need to consult. I need to get their advice. They're the ones that know, not me." Right? Yeah, so, right, right. Yeah, it's it's not the... like you choose this path. There's a reason you come yeah. to Ifa, to Osha, etc. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's Sometimes you have no choice, right? But okay. it's not something yeah. that you come into and think, oh, and the doors will be open and this will be. No. <laughs> it may not be, right? It may, may not be not. your path. Right? Yeah. So. So I see Mike says, thank you for this blessing of having Sue speak with us. Thank 100%. you. Now, one thing that Absolutely. Aloy taught us in some classes is there the principles of respect. Uh -huh. Sanction and permission. First Thank of all, you, Sue, yeah. respect for the tradition. The other one is sanction, that you have to have the sanction of your elders to do anything. And you then you also have to have their permission. So, the, you know, none of us acts alone in this. There are no, no independent practitioners. No. Yet, you know, there's no independent practitioners. If you see an Olorisha who does not have a community around them and they're working, beware. <laughs> beware. Why does this person not have connections? Right. No, because it's, right. a, again, the, the, the practice is, is right. community, community. And is there a possibility they may be? Sorry, Jean-Jerome, what was that that you said? I, no I missed problem. it. You're, my, you're, yeah, my your connection is blocking up a bit, yeah. No, no, I'm just saying it, it's a community, uh, community faith, right? Like uh, yeah. a lot of these rituals are done as part of a community, right? Yeah. They're, they're not done in, in isolation or, you know, and, and you have to, you know, there, there's a strong sense, whether it be in Palo, whether it be in, in Regla de Ocha, or whether it be in Ifa, of a student mentor relationship right you can't yeah. just you know come Absolutely. out of nowhere and all that because part of you can part of of, of these things is study but part of it is, is experience and learning from the experience of your elders and and right and i want to caution anybody who, who who's listening as well that you know you make a mistake in another particular path or whatever or you do something untoward maybe nothing will happen. But if you 
start making or taking attributions upon yourself and start doing things that are not sanctioned by the Orisha, by the Kisi, by the Spirit, or by Ifa, and you think you can do it all, you're in for one hell of a rude awakening and you could be in serious trouble. Absolutely. So, so Absolutely. People, people should not make take attributions upon themselves that they're in this tradition unless they've been initiated. And they need to Absolutely. be properly schooled, properly trained, and to be humble. Absolutely. Again, the thing is humility, right? Yeah, right. Not because ego. It has not ego. Not ego. Even yeah. even in the in the Apatakis Orula, who was essentially the prophet of Ifa, if we will, in all the Apatakis, he he seldom did his own divination. He would go to somebody else for divination. He would he would be humble enough. To seek the wisdom of Ifa from the hands of another awo, another person initiated with it with the mysteries of Ifa. Right? And there are right. many examples of that throughout the corpus, right? So yes. that's why it's extremely important, right. right? Right. And and the other thing too is, you know, when when people um, deal with people who are in the traditions of uh, of Ifa of Osha, of uh, Paolo, um, and other people from outside of that approach them and, and you know, kind of want to or demand to, to know or to teach or something. It's not about that. And it's also um, not a sense of this is kind of automatically given to you, okay, or that you, you have the right to ask for this. It's it's yeah. it's something again with what you say, Jean Jerome, a humility, a humbleness that you must approach this. It's it's not about a uh, being offended in some sort of way if you're you know if if you're refused or it's not your path or something like that, right? Um, yeah. It really requires a very strong mind, and it requires a um, how can I put it? Uh, a strong mind, a strong constitution in order yeah. to be able to practice this, right? And this well, sometimes... Yeah, you got to be part of Go an ahead, Ile Orisha. You have right. to be part of an Ile Orisha, which is a house of Orisha, which is a, basically the Orisha congregation. Before you can enter that house as a an Aleo or a beginning member, you have to get the permission of the Orisha of that house. I think. The, the Elosha yes. goes to their Orisha and says, can this person come in my house? Can I work with this person? If it's not Absolutely. just a reading. Like if, you, if you're a diviner, that's different because you're doing divination for people. But as far as uh, coming into a house, there, you know, some people have to take on all comers in their Ita, which is the reading they get when they're initiated but that doesn't mean you always let them in your house because literally no. you are usually letting these people in your house your literal house absolutely you don't want just all and everybody up in your house no you don't you have to be very very choosy and yeah. i want to address the question malvin hi malvin so do you have to be called upon to walk this path or is something that you can choose to do? So I'll leave it up to Jane. Uh, ladies, ladies first. 
You first. Okay. Well, you can you can think that you're choosing it, but there are larger forces at work. Yeah. There are larger forces at work here. Because it's absolutely like, had, I, had I known what this would entail, I probably would have ran away. <laughs> I'm like, no, you know, but um, but the thing is, is it's like there's there's larger forces at work. There's ancestral forces at work. There yes, are there other is. forces at work. Start with your ancestors. Do they give you permission right. to do this? Yes. Do your, your, do your ancestors think this is a good idea? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is, do your ancestors say that it is part of your destiny to be doing this? Absolutely. Hello, Sean. Absolutely. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and that is determined in the divination. And again, um, just because you choose to go or you think you choose to go on this path doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's going to be open to you. Because like you said, Sue, it, it really is about your ancestral spirits. And sometimes I know in my own experience, I was led to this because of things that were happening in my life. But at the same time, yeah. I could have come in and my spirit, you know, my ancestral guides or my ancestors would have said, uh, yeah, no, you're not going this route. You're you're going another route. But that is what comes up in a divination. And again, it's not everybody can work together in the same house. That's another thing. Um, yeah. And that's important to understand. And hello, Beth. Okay. Ashe. Yes. Yay, Beth. Beth is watching. She's in her little cabin in the woods and she's watching us. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Where the She's at the lodge. She's up at the lodge. She is. So, yeah, no, and exactly. And um, I hope that's answered your question, uh, Melvin. Um, and, and Melvin, sometimes, sometimes you're pulled into this you know without you really wanting to anyway yeah. go ahead john jerome yeah. the, the, the problem melvin is again it, and for everybody listening this is not a question of elitism you understand so no. this is not a question of because you for any fa and in all, all these belief systems whether it be palo uh ocha and 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 uh, ifa and vodu there is a belief of a purpose. We don't come into this world arbitrarily. We come into this world with a particular mission or destiny, whatever fate, whatever you want to use as a term. I mean, Sue's own uh, intro basically reaffirms that. Again, we, we all come in, and that's 100% true. The problem is it is all these belief systems affirm or, or basically confirm the fact that many of us, when we came from the spirit world into this physical material world, we forgot that mission. And it is through small steps of a very, you know, of a new journey on this plane of existence that we may, different people, depending on their level of mediumship or natural psychic ability or, um, you know, also the will or the, the forces, the invisible forces at work may have revelations through dreams, through other people, through meeting chance people that basically say, oh, we should do a divination 
And it is through some of those methods that spirit will always try to give you, you know, an orientation and, and set you on the right path. But the thing is, again, to be humble enough, right? Yeah. That when you're here, the path, you don't become stubborn. There's so many Odus of Ifa that talk about the person not being stubborn or capricious. Because if yeah. you're capricious, if you're stubborn, if you're egotistical, if it's the the yo, the ego, me, 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 because because somebody else is doing it, because oh, it looks you know sexy, or or this is the way to make money, or or this is the way to impress people. Oh, I can't tell you how many people died exactly. at a young age who were priests. Ashe. Oh boy, Ashe. absolutely, absolutely, Sue. Uh, absolutely. And I know Jean Jerome has even um, done divinations for people and has told them certain things and they kind of, you know, sloughed it off only to find what Ifa has said has resulted in a, a death even, you know, had they not heeded what Ifa or, or any sort of divination within the African traditions has said. To do and, and, as an evil, and, and as yeah. Sue, and as exactly, and as Sue has said, Ifa, Orisha, and Palo, and Kisi, and Vodu. I mean, all I'm just to name a few, but those let's say those four major Afro descendant yes. traditions and yes. from West Africa, the four pillars they, for me deserve equal respect. For me, deserve. Absolutely. Equal uh, recognition and equal hit because it is different manifestations of spirit in different lands. But all of those, right? If you yeah. are initiated, if you are called, as Sue said, if most people knew what was really involved and really asked of the person when they initiate, many people would run the other way. Because what it, kind of work? Yeah, <laughs> because you have to work at it, and you have to be humble, and you have to make changes in your life. If you initiate to do the same old stupidities, to basically break the same taboos, to not improve yourself as a person, you are basically signing your own death warrant, in a sense. Because eventually, because before the Orisha and the ancestors would give you license because you don't know. But within right. our belief systems, that's why we say the person who knows doesn't die the way or shouldn't die the way the person who doesn't, doesn't know. <laughs> right? And it is important to take these things very seriously and not to Absolutely. play at them. Because if you play, you're going to have a rude awakening. Right, and and that's absolutely very, very important, right, to for people to know. And Sean has an interesting. Go ahead, go ahead, Teresa. Uh, I was going to say, and those who think that they can, you know, not just slough it off or or admonish a person, you know, from our belief system, but think that they can throw shade or or any type of that thing, they have to be very very careful because they are. Oh, there's certain energies around us for a reason. And those who think they can harm have to be very, 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 very careful what they do no, and what they say because no, it is a no-nonsense. 
hundred percent. We have to understand that many of the traditions within these four belief systems, one way or the other, have existed for thousands of years, and not just that, have survived in a practical, practice Ashe. modality. Right? They right. weren't reinvented, right, in the last hundred no. years. They were passed down no. from generation to generation for hundreds Absolutely. of years. Mouth to ear. Mouth to ear. That's why all of these traditions were were, were really oral traditions. Oral traditions. By lineage, by family. The the concept of family, lineage. And and they were preserved against insurmountable challenges. Yes. The the slave holocaust. Yes. Wars between nations uh, or tribes. You know, genocides. In 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 mm-hmm. spite of all of those things, they were able to survive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and if that is not an example or a proof of the power and of the manifest energy of the ancestors and of the spirit, nothing is. No, absolutely. And it requires, like I was saying, it requires a strong mind, but it, it requires a discipline. And really a discipline to make changes within yourself because you're obviously brought on this path for a reason. And sometimes you're brought against your, your as, as Sue, I think, would understand, um, almost screaming in a sense or so you're at the end of your rope and you don't know what else to do. And it's like, yeah, this is it or happened. I'm gone. That's what happened. Yeah. I was absolutely like, oh, what age was I when that happened? I was in my 30s, but John Jerome, right. I think you were like, I grew up with wife, it, right? I, grew I grew up, up with it. My mom, for those that my mom was uh, um, Livia Adolfina Gonzalez Uguay, she was uh, from French family that emigrated to Cuba at the turn of the 20th century. Uh, and my mom's nanny, my mom's nanny, when she grew up in Havana, was a Yoruba lady, Yemaya, daughter of Yemoja. And she grew up with, with the religion. And my mom was amazing, amazing uh, medium. Absolutely. Yes. I've, yes. You know, I've, met, I've had the privilege of meeting a few very good men, Teresa included. But like, my mom... My mom was something else. My mom could look at somebody and tell you, you know, what you did in the last 20 years. What 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 mm-hmm. a spirit told you in a dream or a person that just passed away told you before they died. Where a spirit yes. had left something yes. hidden. Okay? And and all that. Yes. She could yes, see you told me stories. stories. She could see ancestors, describe them, speak to them, yeah. hear them. My mom was something Absolutely extraordinary. She was daughter of Oloku. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mom was daughter of Oloku. Okay. That makes sense. Wow. And, and so I grew up. And my mom, uh, again, was a career diplomat in Cuba when the Castro regime took power. She resigned her post because she was not, she would not follow communism. She would not turn her back on her faith or belief system. And she was uh, uh, charged by UNESCO to do and a study on the languages and the belief systems of the Afro-descendant religions in Cuba, from which she met my father, and they published the first mm-hmm. Vocabulario Palero that was published, which was an actual in two, in two volumes, which was the, the first dictionary of a palo to Spanish, 
that was produced in Cuba and is at the Smithsonian Institute right now. And uh, also my mom wrote a book called Regla uh, Casa Templo de Ocha, which talked about the Regla de Ocha in Cuba. So I grew up with it, you know, uh, yeah. pretty much. Mm -hmm. Like we mm -hmm. have families. So, and, and mm -hmm. Teresa, I guess that question extends to you as well. Well, God, I, I always relate it back to um, 1993. That was the year I went to Cuba. And um, my experience in meeting the spirits there of the land, okay, which were the Orishas, which I didn't know anything about. But, um, you know, that was the year that there was that big storm. And, um, and as I re recall going before the storm happened, going to Havana to the square and this woman giving me all these, um, these little tablets and I need these. And she just kept giving me all of them. And I thought, Oh, these are great little trinkets and stuff. So um, when I, when I came back here, I always had a sense of the Orishas around me. And even the trip back home was a horrible, horrible storm. And, and we were the only plane that actually tapped, touched down back in Toronto from Cuba at the time. And my parents were surprised that I had come home. I was surprised that I came home and survived that storm, which was, like I said, it was, it was, uh, it was called the perfect oh, storm. They made a movie about it. Yeah. But anyway, and from then on, I always had the, the, the spirits around me. I went and did other things. I took another path, et cetera. And, and, but every so often, they kept coming and they made themselves known and it became more and more apparent. And especially with things that were starting to happen in my life, um, you know, a few years ago, um, it just sort of accelerated the process that I went, okay, what is going on? Why are they hounding me? I mean, I'm a white girl, you know, I'm a Polish white girl. What do I have to do with, you know, black African spirits, you know, no disrespect, you know, I mean, I was thinking about misappropriation, that type of thing, right? Yeah. Until I was, I guess, it, I was the one who came and said, okay, I'm at a loss. Like, what's going on? I went through Santeria, I, I had my, you know, my head cleansed, etc. Everything was fine. But things started to escalate again. And it escalated to the point where, you know, Beth led me to Jean Jerome. And from there, that's when I came into IFA and was initiated. But I know with, with Jean Jerome, as I had told him, I said, you're my last hope, you know, like seriously, I don't know what's going on after this. Right. You know, so in, in that sense, IFA saved me. It literally saved me because I know, I knew that this was it spiritually, mentally, whatever, everything that was happening in my life at the time was going to be adversely affected. And yeah. that's how I came into it. Not because I really wanted to. I sought that out because I realized, okay, nothing else is working. Who's going to help me? And of course the spirits led me. I came to, and I met the right people at the right time and that's what happened. So, Sean, I hope that answers um, what your other question is. Or did you know you were being led to this path? I went. Yeah, yeah I kind of went the other way. I kind of just went. I'm not sure I'm supposed to be a part of all of this. Like, you know, you know, 
but yes, yeah. I was. So it's, it's like Sue said, you kind of, if you knew what it, what was going on, you would have turned around and run the other way. Right. But yeah. it was like, we weren't given a choice. It was a spiritual, the, the, uh, the, the spirits themselves led you on that path. They would take you there. Yeah. And the question is, uh, yes, I am from Cleveland. Yes, Okay. And now yes. you want to read this one, uh, Teresa? Sure. So Michelle says, should this affirmation come through Ifa or Dilogon? Also, if an Odu opens, opens that says this person can't walk this path, will the Odu give advice as to where their path may lay? I will leave that with you. Jean Jerome and your sure, you want to take that first? You want to take that first? Oh, Sue? You're our guest. Well, well, so I want, I want your perspective. Ifa or Dilogun. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, Sorry? if an Odin opens, it says this person. Now, I know that in Isheshe, uh, yeah, they will send you somewhere else. They will send you to another religious tradition. And they will tell you which one. I'll say you that you're supposed to be a Muslim. Go go do that. And that's true. And each I say, like for instance, if you if your person comes with during uh if I it comes with Otula, Otura Meiji or Otula uh -huh. Meiji, uh, they will say you should follow uh, the relig religion of, of Islam. And it's associated with Islam. Mm -hmm. And 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 also if you come with a sign or wandering Ogbe. Many times they will say you should follow the Christ. Uh-huh. Right? So, um, and another, like, that's just to name two. There are many, there are a myriad number of belief systems that are recognized within the corpus of Ifa, both the traditional and the Afro-Cuban. Mm -hmm. and, and there's always, mm -hmm. just the main thing is for a person to know there's always a mission. There's always something that they need to accomplish, and the main thing is to choose right. and to be to be uh, shown the root, the correct path, and to walk your path, right. not to try to, you know, jump on another path because that that leads to utter chaos and destruction. Yeah, and it's not the good kind of chaos that no. <laughs> that no, we uh, talked And Melvin, thanks for the answers and explanations you're welcome melvin so yeah. yeah i guess it's you know i guess we're talking about i know you, you said it's an elitist group and it isn't you know but it's not one of our choosing some of us don't have a choice some of us are led here and our spirits lead us here because yeah. it is what it's supposed to be or thank you very much and Claire says, sending my blessings and gratitude to Sue and Teresa and John Jerome. Very enlightening episode. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah. Thank you, Claire. Always ah. thank you for tuning in. And um, I wanted to, oh, and Sean, who could, could want to harm you guys? Both are amazing. Well, no, nobody, but there are things that happen to people, okay? Um, like in the case, you know, I don't know if we want to go that route, Sue, with regards to the other Yaganga and what had happened. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah, well, yeah, well, they they passed away, you know, the, the whole family, except for one child passed away. 
And we were going to do right. a moment of silence for them, right? So we should do it right. now. Yeah, why don't we do and that I think now? We'll do that now, that since now. We've mentioned it. Absolutely. So let's so, take a moment. Yeah. And then we'll explain who we're, who we're talking about, what happened, so that people understand mm -hmm. Ashe. And Sunreo. Ashe. And Sunreo. Yes. Uh, and, now you and, know why I'm guided to Teresa, all sins coming back from Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Claire. <laughs> um, so, Sue, can you give us a little bit of background? I know you were associated with her. And. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is that I think I only met her once and, and just in passing, even though we were mm -hmm. part of the same house, I came along in that house a little later. She had been in that Unaso uh, for a little while. And she made an incredible transformation from like a Eastern European little housewife that wore a little frumpy dresses and had a lot of health issues to remember what mm -hmm. she was like right before i mean she she changed like it was transformed a, a, it was a tr complete transformation absolutely absolutely yeah when i started watching her videos and seeing the transition with her um this this strength this powerhouse that she was and mm -hmm. and i followed her because i thought oh wow look there's another eastern european woman in an african tradition because i kind of felt mm -hmm. like am i the only one out there you know uh, until i knew sue was and then yeah. that was through beth but i followed her and um and i knew about her and of course there's also another lady uh you know who i had come to know maya um yeah. and she was she was such a powerhouse. She was so strong. And I really, like I said, I really admired her. And it was devastating when I heard that news that had happened to her. Um, yeah. I had done my own um, prayers for her. I did a rosary. And uh, this was something that I dedicated uh, just for her. And it was funny because when it all, when I finished my prayers, I was very much directed to not do anything with regards to the rosary and this little crucifix that I had for her family. Um, I held on to it. And it, it's funny, I held on to it for almost a year. And I didn't know what had happened or what the outcome was, uh, you know, once they had investigated what, uh, what had happened at her home, how the fire started, etc. But yeah. I went to the martyr shrine here in Midland, and I literally walked into into the grounds and I said I asked spirit to guide me to where I needed to put this rosary and this crucifix on their behalf for their family and I started walking through the path and that and I kind of had my eyes shut in a way and I turned around and there 
there was this, you know, monument for family and it was the Holy family. Uh -huh. And I said, that's it. This is where I'm supposed to go. And I, as I approached it, there was this little space, um, almost it looked like an altar and the, the cinder blocks that were in there or, or marble, there was uh, enough room to actually put my hand in. And that's where I placed the rosary and the, and the crucifix. And I said, and here, I think you will, you will rest, you know? And I was very touched and very moved by that. I went and I sat down and as I told John Jerome, I started looking, you know, and I just wanted to say goodbye. And, and, you know, if there was anything, you know, that I could find, that had uh, sort of come to light a year later about what was going on. And they did, they explained what had happened. And I said, it was a closure for me. It really was. And it was very, very moving for me. You know, it was like a chance to say goodbye, even though I never met her. Yeah. I was just very drawn to her. She was such an incredible, strong yeah. personality, you know? Yeah. And um, and I'm sure you you felt that you know so nobody really wants to harm you or nobody wants to go out and harm someone else, but but oh there you know, are people we're in a tradition that, where stuff happens. Yeah, people do stuff. People do works. Yeah, do works against yeah. other people. Yes, they have other people do work. Yes, they for do. Them. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And that's kind of unfortunate as well. Jean Jerome, do you have anything that uh, you wanted to add or, or what your no, observations said, were it, it, with regard it, to that? I, again, I, I didn't know her personally. I, had, I, I was at the time I was following those videos uh, uh, because Teresa had you know, pointed out this, this uh, young woman and her family. They were you know, following the tradition of Palo. And also she was trying to reconcile and you know, basically learn about their Slavic uh, traditions as well, and and, and yeah. honoring her ancestor. And I, I found her you know, videos to be very compelling in terms of her search sincere. for and sincere. So I was I was yeah. very very uh, sad to hear that her her husband mm -hmm. and her uh, daughter were were uh, wiped out by the fire. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I yeah. yeah. Public service announcement is do not leave unattended candles burning. Absolutely. 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 And, and, and again, it comes down to practice. You know, when we do our, our individual practices and what we're led to by our spirits, et cetera, you know, um, we have to be very cognizant of what we do and how we approach things. The, the, you know, <laughs> the tools that we use from our toolbox, you know, and the respect we have to pay with, regards to that you know it's not to be taken lightly you know like mm. so you know when we talk about harm we're talking about you know thinking of people being harmed by us or those throwing harm our way you know it's like you know that's right that's right yeah um you do so at your own risk is what i'm saying and absolutely. oh summer hi summer so it says what and Jesus. summer's asking Go ahead, yes. uh, Teresa. Uh, what changes within and around you occurred? What changes within and around you occurred post initial into your res respective paths? Okay. Ooh. 
<laughs> how, how, how long do we have? You first, Sue. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, it was very interesting. As I came out of my Yahoo year, I changed jobs. And when I changed jobs, they basically gave me an e-lay of, of people who are homeless and mentally ill to, to, to look after. It was an eight-bed respite facility. Oh, wow. Yeah. And one of the first ten persons in there when I first started the job was a woman who was born in Havana and attended the uh, American school and spoke and wrote perfect English. She had a speech impediment, so you couldn't understand her. But when she wrote, it was perfect. And she saw my necklaces and she says, "Do you?" she, she quizzed me and I had to tell her which, what each of them was. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then she was satisfied. She's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> but that was my that was my one of my experiences. That was one big change right there. As I changed jobs, and it was like, "Here, here's your house." Eight people, eight different mm -hmm. people all the time because they came and went. None of them stayed more than thirty days. Mm -hmm. Some mm -hmm. of them did, you know, like some of them I would hang on to until they got housing, but. You know, that was what that was one of the big changes I had. How about you, John Jerome? I'd like to hear about that. Oh, what kind of changes oh. did you experience? Oh my goodness! Well, um, my to be honest, it was interesting when uh, I this November will be ten year anniversary of being initiated as a babalao, mm -hmm. and uh, before that, you know, basically. Uh, studying and prepping f three or four years before that, um, before I actually went through the initiation. I had my own business for 17 years. Uh, very shortly after my initiation, uh, it was the, uh, the 2012, after the 2008 uh, financial meltdown, we lost 50% mm -hmm. uh, of our client base through bankruptcy and everything else. And so coming out of people doing and everything else, I had to I basically close down my business of 17 years. And uh, my life changed and I went to starting to, um, you know, working with IFA and then maintaining a balance with my IT work. So, but that was a major upheaval. Like I moved, we moved, like everything just like changed dra dramatically. Uh, mm hmm so it was definitely, I'm not the same man I was, you know, you know, 10 years ago. Let's put it that way. Uh, it's, been, it's been very formative Ifa? years. Sorry? You went to direct to IFA? Yes, because uh, during uh, my ISEFA, IFA had said, and after we asked my, my, my titular, Orisha, that I should go straight to IFA. And then later on, when, when, when she would call me, or shu that I could uh -huh. I would crown later on, but but she wanted mm -hmm. she wanted me to go directly to Ifa, uh -huh. and my sign is Oshie Yeku, so Oshie Yeku Oshie or Yeku. Ah, okay. So that that is the the Odu where we we appease Orisha, but we we work Ifa more on the Vodou side, more uh -huh. on the straight mm -hmm. into Ifa. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay, and so, well, like I said, with me, the changes were um, the things that were happening.
happening in my life, my entire life was in an upheaval, um, everything from, uh, oops, sorry guys. We're losing your connection a little bit there, Teresa. Can you hear me? Yeah, no, we can. Yeah, Sorry, here, can you hear yeah, me? Yeah, we can, but you you were freezing there, so. Yeah, yeah, I could see yeah. that my screen yeah. was freezing. Um, so as I was saying, my life was in an upheaval with, um, it was my mom's uh, death and then the business that I had and how that was going south, uh, the relationships around me, my personal relationships um, to my ex-husband and that everything seemed like it was just tossed into the air. And I thought, oh, my God, like, what the hell is going on? Where is this <laughs> all going? You know, and um, it literally, you know, that's when spirit stepped in and the changes was a sense of stability suddenly everything that seemed muddled and confusing to me became very clarified i became stronger in that sense my 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 confidence in myself again to come back and, and really sort of go whoo well wasn't that a trip you know that's what i found was the changes within myself and and being given a second chance, so to speak. And it's, it's, it's a form of discipline as well. You know, I mean, I may not always, you know, do things the right way as in every day doing this to, to, to do for Ifa or for my, um, my warriors or anything, but I heed, I heed the words of my spirits when they call. And that takes, um, you know, it takes an effort. It takes a discipline with myself and to be able to, to make that change within myself. It, it, it takes an amount of effort. It really, really does. You know, it's not something that can be um, come into very easily, you know? So that's what I found okay. with me. It gave me a, a, an anchor, a strength and an anchor okay. and a confidence. And, and that's what I needed again and clarity. You know, and family, so. and additional family. <laughs> We're family. And, We're all and family. of course, family. You know, that was kind of like the best part, right? That's it, that's it. Exactly. How can I? <laughs> yeah. Of course. Oh. And, I, I, and I have amazing people in my family. You know, my, my Baba, my Jean Jerome, I love them dearly. Beth and, and everybody who's come across in my path along, you know, kind of. These people showed up at the right time in my life for the right reasons, and everybody's enriched. Okay, and I, I think your battery is failing. I think that's her paying her battery as well. Is oh, your battery okay. low? Okay. Yeah, she's Teresa. Is your battery low? Sorry. Yes, my battery is low, so I think maybe we should. Yes. Okay, we, we have actually a few questions. Go ahead. You want to charge? I'll, I'll continue with some of the questions. You want to connect in so you can charge your phone? I'm 
I'm going to go and plug in. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I'll plug be in back. Because I think that's why I think that's why her connection is dying. So um, uh, I just going to think, Michelle Desange, Michelle, uh, Osa Unle is, has, speaks about many things. Uh, Osa Unle, if you're using Osa Unle, you're talking more from Dilogun. So that means somebody has read for you with Dilogun as opposed to Ifa. But that doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, unless it was a, a ceremony for determining, you know, your, your path, life path and all that, or, or a hand of Ifa, Isifa, that Odu can speak about many things, but that may not be applied to you. Because that Odu speaks a lot about witchcraft, about magic, about uh, other things, right? But again, it may not apply to you depending on how that reading was done. And if it was done really as a life reading uh, or a reading of destiny like Isefa or Itefa. Okay. Um, Sean yeah, says, yes. thank you for answering my questions. Uh, thank you, Michelle Desange. Uh, I'm glad you're, you're enjoying it. I'm glad the show is, is being useful to you. Sean, have a good night. Blessings. Thanks for tuning in. He says he has to do a cleansing. <laughs> Beth had said ashe to many things we were saying. Essie Mike, ashe. Thank you, Essie Mike. Awuf Faniyi, Aburo Boy, Olodumare, Bawao. May Olodumare always sustain us. May Olodumare always bless us. May Olodumare make all things manifest. And may everything we do be in accordance with Olodumare and our, and our own destinies. Now, an interesting question. Anne Oshoa says, why are there so many people that say and believe that women should not be initiated into Ifa, especially all the people that follow the traditions from Cuba? Why is this so controversial? So, Sue, do you want to take a, a little crack at that one, and then I'll, uh, I'll try to explain that a, one? Well, one, one reason is a regional difference in practice. There are areas of Yoruba land that do not initiate women to Ifa, but there are others that do. Um, Oyo does not. Parts of Oyo do not initiate women to Ifa. They do these days. Uh, Bob Wande is from Oyo, and he does, but there's other areas that's, uh, that don't. There are areas like that traditionally have initiated women, but the problem being is that if you are actually going through Babalao training or Ianifa training, it is extremely time-consuming, and it takes years. Women who are in their childbearing years who are working and have kids are really going to have a hard time dedicating the time and energy that they would need to do to really start memorizing what they need to memorize and uh, do, doing the work that needs to be done. Right. That's you know that's my one of my reasons. There's there's also the the gender balance thing, you know, which John Jerome could speak to. <laughs> yeah. So so Here, here's a hot potato. Here here's a hot <laughs> potato, and 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 unfortunately, and, and again, what people have to understand is it, it, this is not a necessarily a Cuban thing. Okay, as and I'm very happy always to Sue is always gives a very balanced, uh, you know, view of things. And as she says, some lineages, some countries where there are lineages have no problem and they initiate women, uh, although not too many. 
let's be clear, not too many, for the reasons she outlined. There are issues of lifestyle, childbearing years, supporting, you know, helping to support the family. Um, the, the normal, in the traditional fa, rifa, usually Baba Lao has to apprentice and sometimes even live with their Baba, okay, which means that they have to become part of the family and, and have to basically memorize, study, practice, you know, a very rigorous training. And as uh, Sue outlined, if many times if a woman is raising a family, uh, you know, in childbearing years, and also, let's say, taking on any other professional aspiration, it's, it's going to be tough. Although there are instances where there were people, women, especially in Benin, well, because in Fagbasa, there is no delineation. Any woman, any man, as long as it's their path, as long as they have the ancestry and the spiritual support to do so, they can practice the fa, they can be, become bokono, male or female. But again, there are not that, that many of them, right? And, and a lot of it is because of the societal uh, demands and requirements for, for, for women. In Cuba, Specifically, in our corpus of Ifa, there is no mention, zero mention, in our Afro-Cuban texts, which were compiled over 200, just under 200 years in Cuba, which were the messages, the oral traditions codified in writing from ancestors who came over uh, or were brought, were brought forcibly over through the sla transatlantic slave holocaust or, or trade. In all those oral traditions, a woman or the term Iyanifa and the term of, of a woman practicing or, or consulting Ifa is almost not mentioned, with maybe one exception. And where the Yamoya, when Urumila had left, you know, sometimes they say Oshun, sometimes they say Yamaya, when Urumila had left to wander the world and there was nobody to really take care of the people that were in dire need of, of support. Yemoya and Samke Oshun behind a white curtain would consult Ifa and would do very well because she had the gift of, of mediumship as well and, and clarity of interpretation and was able to help people and so forth. But that Odu within the Afro Cuban text then basically Orula complains and says, Well, wait a minute, this is not, this shouldn't be this way. And then the Dilogun is given as the main, the Eri Dilogun. The Dilogun is given as the main instrument for women to divine. Women. So the, the, the argument, the primary, there are two main arguments in the Afro-Cuban tradition. One, we don't have it in, in, they don't have it in their text. So in, if we look at it as lineages that came over, in the lineages that came over from whatever parts of Africa or Nigeria they were and Benin, that particular tradition, that particular custom didn't come over, number one. And number two, as a secondary custom which deals with Igbaudu, which is the, 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 the greatest power a Babalao can have, which represents you know, the, the ability to interpret Odu as a female energy that, that emanates from Olodumari, some say the daughter of Olodumari, and is what completes a Babalao. That particular Orisha, and Fumei, and Irete Untelu, and many Oduns, has a strict prohibition of women seeing it. Now, there have been debates, some pleasant, some not so pleasant, over months and years over the internet. My only advice to all religious practitioners is to be respectful, 
to not cling to any truth as being absolute and to recognize right. that if a Babalao, under his responsibility or his lineage, with consultation of Ifa, has seen fit to give the, the, the full Itefa, Ifa, or what we call elegant, in other words, in the absence of Ibaudu, then one must respect it, right? And in my opinion, that is that once again reaffirms that each person has their own destiny and mission in life, and we have to respect it as long as the main reasons for, the, for it being done were because it was really the path and the destiny of the person, and that it was done not for reasons of money or populism or, or, or you know, speculation, which is also one of the concerns what many Awos from in the African lineage basically tout as being maybe the, what they feel is maybe a, mo a motivation in some cases for this explosion of, you know, women wanting to be initiated fully to a Yenikla. My own personal view, I respect. If you've gone through Ibodu, if you've received the initiation, what is written cannot be erased. And all Babalao should respect that. And, and if you have differences, we have to show that we, even in our differences, even if we agree to disagree, we must show respect. And must show you know, respect at, at all levels. That, that's my, my view on it. That hopefully gives some indication of the, of the situation and the, uh, an explanation of the rationale why there's been this debate going on for mm -hmm. so long. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can Alan, so, very important. Ashe. Thank you. Uh, thank you to everybody with your comments, your questions, and those who tuned in. I want to ask Sue, is there anyone, um, do you have a quote or anything that you could say um, before, that before represents we, you? Oh, before, but before, before we do. We, before we do, there's two things. Because um, we, we had some excellent questions and we, 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 you know, focus on the questions. I still, we still didn't get a chance to to let Sue talk about how oh. the belief system informs yeah. her. So I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you talk about that in terms of your professional career, in terms of counseling, right. Right. and then we'll no. we'll sum up our the show uh, with uh, Beth's question or Beth's statement, right. and I'll I'll answer that and an update on that, um, and then. Um, we could ask for the quote. How's that? Sue. Right. Okay. Perfect. How, how does it inform my practice as a counselor? Oh, um, basically, my belief is that everybody comes down here with a destiny. You don't always know what it is. In fact, you probably won't because the trip down from heaven is difficult and you're going to forget. And mm -hmm. it's my belief that people don't choose bad destinies. Um, no. you know, there's, there's three ways to get a destiny. And one is that, that, uh, basically you're up in heaven and you, you choose one, you, you kneel down and you choose a destiny. The other one is that circumstances of birth, like having your umbilical cord wrapped around your neck. That is a particular destiny. That's Aina that they give you a special name for that. And also, if you're born with a call, that's another one. Um, and other people have a destiny affixed to them. That can be family circumstances. Um, that could be 
maybe your family is traditionally hunters. So that's mm-hmm. going to be your destiny. You're going to be a hunter of, of some kind. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of this is like figuring, you know, part of my job is to figure out what people's lives are really supposed to be about right. and help them understand that, that despite whatever trauma they have experienced, because most of my folks are trauma survivors, a lot of them mm-hmm. have been through the prison industrial complex. Um, they have experienced racism, sexism, and poverty. Most of them are extreme poverty. And mm-hmm. the thing is, mm-hmm. okay, what can your life be? What did you come here to do? Right. And that's right. always a question. And Sue, I wanted to ask you, because you, you know, as a counselor and being, um, you know, in, in our traditions, do you find that the spirits, their ancestors come to you and talk to you and can you feel them? And how do you, how do you interpret that so that you actually are able to give that to them and tell them this, you know, so that it gives them comfort and, and also gives them a message in that sense. Yeah, I don't do that too much. I had a coworker who did, and yeah, you know, because she really had spirits talking to her all the time. I don't get it that often. Okay, you know, so, but sometimes I'll just ask a question, like you know, like tell me more about that. You know, tell me more about something like, you know, yeah, your grandparents. You know, tell me more about like your heritage or like the people from your family. You know, what right. were their and strengths? that's when you that's feel they come forward and they start to. In- yeah, that's where you right. really get the information right. for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm going to there are three questions Excellent. that are related. And uh, I'm, I'm just Beth and then two from uh, our friend Freddie Guevara from Florida. Uh, blessings, uh, Freddie, mm-hmm. many blessings. So I'm going to display all three and summarize them in the interest of time. Beth says, okay. two in Cuba, I know initiate women into Ifa, one in Havana, one in Matanzas. Then uh, Freddie says, women must take the rightful place. And lastly, the first five orientes in Cuba were women, fact. So I'm going to summarize all three. So in terms of the two houses in Havana and Matanzas, one of them, which is a Babalao fairly famous in Cuba, has stepped back from doing those initiations. And those traditions of initiating Yanifa were a direct import from the traditionalists that came to Cuba and a couple of houses that ventured into going into the traditional lineage where, in that particular lineage, they did a Yanifa. And they were pioneers, pioneers in Cuba to do so. But that practice does not stem back more than you know, 20, 30 years maximum. So and, and there was no no foundation for that practice, no foundation for that practice within the Afro-Cuban corpus, period. That was a pure import from traditionalist Ifa into, into Cuba. Okay. And and not all people who took on the traditional route ended up uh, doing that practice. Okay, so that's that's number one. Uh, number two, women, rightful play? Absolutely. But as we said at the beginning, and that's why, as I said, I am one who listens to Ifa. 
If Fa says to do something and if Fa sanctions something, so be it. If it's within your tradition or lineage, legitimately, so be it. As long as it is in alignment with destiny and that is what is to be done, uh, you know, perfect. But uh, the other question, five oriate, an oriate is not a babalao. An oriate is not iyanifa. Oriate, oriate means he who bows his head to the ate, to the mat, and to the to the to the opo, right. because they are basically what we call italero, or people who basically consult are the premier uh, masters of ceremony and consultants of dilogun, eri dilogun. Right, but they're not ifa. That is ocha. No. Although the ceremony for oriate is in irete kutan with an ifa, so we we make oriates. Babalaos make oriates, and yes, they were women, and they're excellent at 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 caracorelas in terms of doing the itas for the different oricha. They're a hundred percent. And last mm -hmm. one was. Uh, Beth, that is correct, but there is no denying that if I was being conferred onto women, at, yes, but again, Beth, uh, again, we, we, the devil's in the details. They were doing it not because there was any, and I re repeat, any apataki, itan, odu within the Cuban corpus to do so. They took it basically direct import from Nigeria, which basically further. Uh, created the polemic situation and, and antagonism because it felt that the, uh, the traditionalists were basically ramming this down the throat <laughs> and that they were doing it because of money, because they, 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 they identified a market that was not being tapped or not being addressed by the Cuban Babalaos and that would give them some hegemony or some control of the religion in the diaspora in order to, to basically do it. That is the, the general view, again, from the Afro-Cuban camp, if you will. I, as I said, I respect all lineages. If you legitimately had it, you know, traditions for, you know, uh, you know for hundreds of years, and, and it was in your family, in your, your area, Boya. I, I, I'm one that says respect it, and but I wouldn't do it myself because it's not my tradition and I don't have the the ceremony to do that, right? Um, it would be something that would be outside of my lineage. But I respect it. If somebody has gone through Itifa and it was legitimately done, Boya, I would have no problem working with them. I would have no problem respecting their knowledge and so forth. So, you know, that's uh, just to give a, a nutshell, but Again, the, the problem with this debate, a lot of it is in definitions, in semantics. And nuances. And, and nuances and historical accounts. So, um, yeah. Okay. All right. So, are we, do you think we're done, Jean-Jerome? I, I, I had asked my questions, and, and I feel Sue has answered them for me, and of our guests who tuned in as well. Yes. So Sue, what what is your your quote? What do you have? Okay, I'm going to read something. Arumila, you are the leader. I am the follower. You are the sage who teaches one wise things, like one's own relation. 
Ifa, the question is, who among the gods can follow his devotee on a distant journey across the seas? Ifa said, it is Ori. It is Ori alone who can follow his own devotee across the seas. Orumla said, when an Ifa priest dies, people may ask that his divination instruments be thrown into the ditch. When a devotee of Shango dies, people may be asked that, that his Shango instruments should be thrown away. When a devotee of Oshala dies, people may be asked that his paraphernalia should be buried with him. Orumila asked, ever since human beings have been dying, whose head is ever severed from his body before burial? Ifa says, it is Ori, it is Ori alone who can follow his own devotee to a distant journey over the seas without turning back. If I have money, it is my Ori whom I shall praise. My Ori, it is you. If I have children on earth, it is Ori whom I will praise. My Ori, it is you. All the good things that I have on earth, it is my Ori to whom I will give my praise. My Ori, it is you. Ori, I hail you. You who always remember your devotee, you who give blessing to your devotee more quickly than other gods. No god blesses a man without the consent of his Ori. Ori, I hail you, you who allows children to be born alive. A person whose sacrifice accepted by his Ori should rejoice exceedingly. Wow, nice. I like that, Sue, because on top of all of that, it's always, it's always our Ori. Yeah. Thank okay. you, Sue. Thanks. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you all so right, much. Thank you, Sue, very much for being on board. Um, just answering quickly, Anne Ochoa. Yes, no, I understand. In in Miami, again, it's the the Afro Cuban is the um, it, it, the the practice of Ifa in terms of you know being a priest has always been male dominated within the Afro Cuban. I mean, th that's the history. Again, uh, if other lineages. But lineages that didn't originally come with the Afro descendants to Cuba practice it. I personally respect it. To answer Beth's, uh, uh, I've been read no fewer than six times for Ifa or to pass the Ifa. Absolutely. The thing is, the actual ceremony, if, if a person were to go to the Ifa, it would have to be a lineage, what I'm saying, which has a history of doing that, knows how to do that and where they do it properly and for the right reasons, right? There right. might be a situation where Ifa says, you know, the person needs to adore Ifa, needs to work with Ifa, and everything else, but that doesn't always mean, you know, to do Itifa. But in the event that there is that such a calling, then it should be done by the person who, you know, lineage it falls to. And that's a very common, like, not not on the Yanifan, on sometimes when it comes to certain Orisha, when it comes to certain practices, when it comes each lineage has their areas of expertise, their areas of tradition, and they should be respected. Mm -hmm. The main thing is mm -hmm. to respect each other's tradition, but not out of you know being uh, looking for quick money, quick cash, for popularity right. or anything else to automatically right. switch switch ships and say, Oh yeah, I do that too. No. That, that, and that's a large part where a lot of 
Afro-Cuban babalaos have been sort of putting up against it. Wait a minute. We've practiced yeah. this, you know, for 200 years this way. It's not part of our lineage. Right. Right? So, you know, we, but the only counter to that is do, if you disagree or if it's not in your lineage, still show respect and stick to the facts and what the Orisha and Ifa says. Don't put your two cents in or try to, you know, have an ulterior agenda or anything else to, you know, change what, what the destiny or the mission of the person is, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, right. thank you all. I enjoyed learning from you. All right, Lume, thank you. Thank you. And we enjoyed having Sue. Yes, we did. Sue, thank you so much for coming on board. I Thanks. was excited and I wanted to talk to you and I, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to bring you out into the world and just say, here's Sue, very, <laughs> a very quiet, unassuming person. And yet she mm -hmm. holds a big, strong stick. Yay, Sue. I'm so glad you came on board and I got to know you a little bit better. And I love it. I really do. So thank you, Sue. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Okay. So Jean Jerome, is there anything else you want to say? Is um oh Sue, is there anything yes. that you have that's upcoming? Like, do you have an event or a workshop or something that you want to to highlight before we uh, we say good night? Um, not really. No, I don't have anything upcoming. Okay. So if someone was, <laughs> what was that? Sorry, Sue. I said the job has been enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But um, we have your name and how people can get a hold of you or even your phone number. You're okay with that if people were to call yeah. you to sure. for a reading or something like that. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Awesome. All right. One sec, one sec. I'm going to so we have I've been passing or scrolling. The other thing is about to get the book. Obi Abata yes. Divination Lulu. Everyday divination. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Jean It doesn't come out very clear. Okay, here it goes. Yeah. Her book on Obi Obata divination. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. Sue, Kuklik, yeah. and then Everyday Divination for the Devotee. Paperback and product. Okay. So yeah. people can they go actually I'm sorry, what was it? So, sorry. Can yeah, people go on, on Amazon? No, uh, no, it's not through Amazon. It's just Lulu. Oh, okay. Lulu. Okay. Then I don't know what Lulu is. Is that a well, Jean Jerome? It's a, is that basically self-publishing? It's like, it, it's like a, uh, an Amazon, but it's for people that self-publish or all have you know different uh, publishers. And they put their books up. It's like a marketplace. They they have many works from different people. Yeah, and they print on demand, which okay. is a nice thing. That's correct. That's correct. Okay. All right. All right. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Odabo, have a good night. Blessings. Have a good weekend, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Yes, thank you thank for you. everyone tuning in tonight. And uh, next week, our show will be... Who is it? It's Karen, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. 
All right, perfect. So I just want to say uh, thank you once again for tuning in. And next week we have another exciting show, another friend that I'd like to introduce to the world. And uh, so we're signing off and saying bye. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night, everyone. Farewell. Farewell. Good night. Good night. <laughs>